up to departure. You know, he's 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 not going to do a handover of power in the traditional sense of two leaders standing next to each other and a handshake. He's going to fly off on a helicopter to Air Force One, do one last ride on Air Force One to a big rally, which he will stage up against the inauguration and then have a big <gasps> thing about a, ratings the ratings, a ratings battle. Can you imagine that from this president of the United States? Yeah, that sounds like a Mark Burnett production to me. It does. It um, does. Everything is about content with Donald and all his, you know, I guess is he the head of the Kraken? What is the Kraken? I don't even I'm know what the Kraken to is. Figure honestly. out this this uh, Sydney Powell Kraken metaphor and what the lit different legs of it. But whatever, unleash it. I don't know. Um, so the Krakens. I love that Mark Elias is like now like. Today started with four Krakens, and now we only have two Krakens. So it's turned into like a little video game whack-a-mole thing, right? Like little emojis. Krakens. We're going to maybe get a Pac-Man chewing up the Krakens. You really need a degree to understand everything they've come up with in their narrative wars. It's become so weird and so it's hard to so, follow. It's ridiculous. So, But it, it is about content. Uh, that is all that he's always all that he is looking to have is they need you know they have this machine they have this propaganda machine and they have to constantly create new content new storylines or just sound bites and keep pushing it down all of it is bullshit they know it's all bullshit donald is such a flawed human being i do believe he starts to believe his bullshit and um talks himself into his bullshit and then doesn't even know what day it is you know i mean the the whole Medal of Honor <laughs> that was some ceremony. Good stuff. I mean, I think it's pretty clear he did shit his pants, and he just had to get oh. out of there. I, I, Noel has never been wrong we about didn't, any of that. Noel, you know, has Noel given us the Noel most horrible transparency into this presidency. It, it is, but you can tell <laughs> it's like he he had a poo poo in his diaper, and he had to get out of there. I mean, that's why and I'm that not really. Kid was like, ah, oh, that's so disgusting. Like, Oh. It's so disgusting, but that's what's going on with this guy now. So he's not going to be the rebel leader of like, uh, you know, originally I was thinking he's following the uh, Jonas Savimbi route of, uh, of you know, of, of independent homeland. But he's not going to be that kind of, of leader. Because if you recall, this is Jonas Savimbi. Um, he was he was a pretty ferocious kind of warlord there in Angola. Mm -hmm. um, this is not going to be Donald Trump going forward. No, no. Um, the, the Donald Trump going forward is going to be a guy who sits in his armchair in um, in wherever, probably in, his, in the private Miami island that he and his kids are going to be living on, and uh, and basically tweeting a narrative war at us nonstop, making sure it's so hard for anybody in the administration to actually get through very much without a lot of noise around them. them. Um, if he the, keeps his Twitter account, if that right. Twitter account stays up. Right. It's not just Might him. Not I mean, there's up. a whole machine. There's Newsmax. Have you seen Newsmax? Have you guys ever oh, sat Newsmax is the worst. Yeah, oh, I my can't. gosh. That, yes, of course. It's, it's like a whole nother level. Well, now and you the, have the Arizona GOP today doing mm. their stuff early in the morning. And I didn't see what they did today. That. I didn't, didn't see what that. They oh, they're, they're, the actual Arizona GOP uh, official account, I can't remember the name of the woman who, who runs it. She's uh, just a, a, a maniac. Um tweeting out, uh, are you willing to die for Donald Trump with images from Rambo and scenes from that with people sh putting guns in each other's faces and I'm willing to, and then other people responding, yes, I will, I will lay down my life and die for him and retweeting that. That's what, that's what the GOP yeah. is now. Their radicalization. 
Mm. They're um, they're a separatist party, really. They're a okay. they're an anti-democratic party as well, which is so yeah. strange that some of them are still in the system. But you know, there's been other examples of it. I actually wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about Angola because it's really interesting uh, to okay. me because I'm a geek and I spent a lot of time reporting on South African issues. Angola was a story in South Africa when I was there as a reporter because, you know, South Africa and the United States actually backed Jonas Savimbi because up until, uh, let's see, the, the 1970s, um, they, you know, it was a Portuguese colony, mostly. I'll pull up a little map for you guys so you can see where it is. As a Portuguese colony, it was a very successful Portuguese colony. There it is in the middle of the country. Very wealthy place. This guy, this place has diamonds and has oil and, and has a lot of foreign interests that like to come and, uh, and play in that space because of their lots of oil, lots of diamonds and lots of agriculture. So like a lot of African countries, it never really had a chance to be, um, you know, to be fully independent or fully engaged in its own policies because it always had the Soviet Union on the one hand and then Russia and, and China and uh, and the United States on the other hand. So there's always conflict there about who gets to, to rape and pillage that country. And so the MPLA was the party that did actually become the leaders at the turn of uh, the, when the country became independent. So in 1975, the MPLA took over and Jonas Savimbi said no. He and uh, with his backers, the United States and South Africa, headed to the north where there's lots and lots of diamonds and basically declared their own homeland. It's those diamonds that became the blood diamonds um, that have become famous mm. through, through the movies because basically he took these resources and paid for the war by capturing these mines, these mines and pillaging them for their dimes and then selling that in order for, to get weapons in order to complete, complete fighting with the uh, Soviet-backed at that time, uh, MPLA. Now, he did this until his death. Like, he just would not give up. He was completely defiant. And he was the only one in terms of organizations in the country that didn't finally you know, acquiesce to the MPLA as the leaders. So in some ways, there is a little bit of Donald Trump in this. And there's maybe more than just a little bit of Donald Trump, because when you look at who the backers are of Jonas Savimbi and the MPLA, uh, and in fact, who the backers of the diamond industry in Angola are, you find a lot of the same people as who are involved with Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, Bibi Netanyahu, and all these other characters that have sort of brought on this, uh, this strongman alliance in the world. Um, so I'll go through a little bit of that in a bit. Um, but the idea that there is some parallel between this guerrilla leader and what Donald Trump is doing, it seems outrageous because, you know, Donald Trump doesn't look like a guerrilla leader. But I do think... Oh, I that, think he looks like a... Yeah. <laughs> I think he's dying to put on some kind of weirdo uh, made-up military uniform and call himself a general and strut around. Oh, probably, actually. You might be right. Uh, Certainly yeah. his son is. I mean, if he, he is, and then Donald Trump Jr. is going to land up, oh, you sure. know, running around in some sort of military fatigue. But there's <laughs> still, you know, and so this is, I think, where we might be heading. And this is why he's making these ridiculous <laughs> speeches and why he's yeah. telling people, will they lay down their lives? I mean, it's, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it's so, like going full Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> Except <laughs> these are old, these are fat old men on speed who shit their pants. <laughs> this is not, these are not hard... That, I mean, that's just the. I can't. I can't. I see the. I, I see the. I'm. I'm fascinated by the Zeb. I'm fascinated about the reality of actual military men 
who were able, maybe who were trying to survive amongst multiple empires, the old colonial, the new Cold War. But but these are old fat goombas who can't <laughs> are in continents of feces. They cannot make it through medal ceremonies. They're not going to disappear. They're not going to beat the Taliban hand to hand. Enough, enough of the boomers with computers and their krakens and and their and and their depends. They're going to waddle out. We're bitching about the Wi-Fi. They're going to oh bitch God. about the 5G in their depends. And get and get on red state and 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 tweet hard and they're gonna beat the Taliban. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's <laughs> over. All of this is done. It is over. It is for sure. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. You were on fire there. We should just end the show. We should just stop right there. That was I fantastic. Was just, I was pretty great. Let's go have um, some Christmas cookies. Yeah, let's have the cookies. Let's have the cookies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, that was fantastic, though, because they are. They're completely impossible. How can these people even think they're going to do this? They're going to do as badly at being an insurgency as they've been a presidency, without a doubt. I mean, it's just it's embarrassing. It's going to be annoying, and it's not going to work. The only thing is the GOP still have the Senate. I mean, if that could just be sorted out, it would be fine. People need that. People need to hear the laughter. No, because there's movies. There's movies where old where old people. I mean, this is a trope in film, right? LB knows what I'm talking about. It's like there's uh, was it Space Cowboys, which hey, and since we just uh, the greatest American pilot ever, Chuck Yeager, just passed on, and he was. A great pilot. I mean, he like broke the sound barrier at 89. He like got up in an F 15. And I mean, the dude was just, he, he was legendary every possible sense. LB's trying to compose herself. This is, this is good. We'll get there. But there's the movie, tro- you know, that dude could still, could still dog fight you at 70. And there's that great movie, Space Cowboys, about, you know, the young team that's supposed to do like the space shuttle gets sick and, and they have all these old pilots that come in. It's uh, James Garner and Clint Eastwood and, and I'm for, uh, James, uh, Donald Sutherland. I forget who else is in it, but it's old guys that step in and it's like, all right, young whippersnappers, but, you know, we're going to show you what's what. General Yeager said, there's three things that make me a great pilot, experience, experience, and experience. And in, and being a pilot, that's true. And there's some, there are some things where that's true, but being a paramilitary warlord is not among them. (laughs) They're just, just all this, these metamucil chugging, (laughs) vigilantes who are gonna they're gonna take think about what they're they're talking about relation legal krakens which which are which are rebutted by two lines right or or they last now the krakens are seriously the half-life of a kraken is down this is no bullshit is down to three hours like they keep sending these the krakens up in in michigan and it's like three hours later like fuck off get fucked go away go find a hobby it's, it's going to be this. It's going to be a truly embarrassing event for them. I mean, I, hopefully it's going to be a truly embarrassing I just, event. All I could see was like, I can't even tell you the picture yeah. in my head. It's <laughs> terrible. Uh, uh, Donald, Donald as an African warlord right. from the 1970s. <laughs> I got a full-on picture of that. With so his depends. Let, so let's move um, beyond his depends and his okay. uh, and his African okay. warlord metaphor here. And let's listen. Let's look at Lev Leviev because, <laughs> you know, as Jonas Avimbi was getting all these blood diamonds and selling them in uh, in Africa to to finance his war, 
and, and which I think actually was an Israeli sort of funded event in the first place. Another Israeli by the name of Lev Levayev, who is the Diamond yeah. King and also like a big mafia mobster, um, came into Angola's market yeah. and started buying up the diamond mines. And he is a pretty big deal. He's currently uh, under several prosecution, I think, in, in Israel. One of them is for uh, smuggling. Another one, I think, might be even murder. But uh, tell us a little bit more, if you can, LB, about Lev. And then I'll do a, a little chart, which you've got a sneak preview of, of how he's connected to Donald Trump. Oh, okay. Well, so uh, every, if everyone remembers Bayrock um, uh, from back in the day, Leviev was part of that uh uh, that whole gaggle that was in there getting Bayrock going. Alan Dershowitz is willing to like go outside of Levy's, you know, his stores, his diamond stores. Levi, because he gets protested um, by what he does because he's also a real estate guy in Israel and he develops alongside Benny Steinmetz. He does all those Israeli developments, right? That right. that cause such strife the in West the Bank area. Isn't? Yeah, correct. That's right. That that keeps building. He gets protested as well as getting protested for his blood diamond operation. I mean, there's even there's quotes around this guy from people, even the other diamond merchants are like, you know, who are even a little sketchy. And they're like, yeah, we don't go over there in that <laughs> territory because it's just it's just straight up blood diamonds. So Dershowitz himself will go outside of 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 Levi's shop and hold up bags from he got from inside the store and dance in front of the faces of protesters and, tell, and taunt them like a 4chan meme come to life, you know, like a troll. Like he trolls people what could in real it all life. Mean? For this guy, mm-hmm. what could it all mean? I think Susan Sarandon is in there with Leviah. She's done a lot of <laughs> it. Shocking. It's like it gets a little weird around this guy, yeah. right? But 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 oh. he he's well, if been, you want a diamond, he's a good place to go get a diamond from. Right. Um, he's going to have any more He's been putting his money into Donald Trump real estate for from way back in the day and mixed up with Dershowitz from way back in the day. And um, he's not a good guy. Right. And his his syndicate, if you look at sort of his even his offshores and where he pops up around the world, he pops up with operations and connected to money and an offshore laundering um, that's in there with. Uh, some Central and South American stuff, and then like it does, yeah. uh, you know, obviously Africa's a big deal. There's China stuff mixed up with him, so he's he's transnational, right? You know, oh, for sure, he's one of the biggest. I think still around. He's one of the biggest. I think that there. I have sent, made this statement, and he can. I don't know. Come and sue me, Diamond Blood Diamond guy, whatever. <laughs> but you know, when it's hard to find mob bosses anymore, real bosses, like you know, people that terrify. Uh, everyone underneath them and that you can't just sort of do a deal around, right? Because it's become such a a corporatization of organized crime has happened yeah. in, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years in a big way. And um, But this guy, I, I think he still really does scare the fuck out of people. Um, and if he wants something to happen, he pulls a trigger, you know, or pulls a lever. I don't mean it actually pulling a trigger, but pulls a lever to to have shit moved from one place to another, a big deal or sums of money. Uh, he gets what he wants, and he gets what he wants from fucking anybody, from sure any world leader. He's very close to Putin. Mm. Um, he's a, he's a, you know, I would put, absolutely put him in the in the category of being a boss. Probably the only one left. So let's let's take a look at his network of people. This is Lev Levayev. He's obviously very close to Bibi Netanyahu and Vladimir mm-hmm. Putin. But he's also one of the biggest funders of Chabad, uh, the organization, yes, which is. also includes Jared Kushner as one of its regulars. Mm-hmm. As Michael Cohen is there, and Dershowitz, uh, and Dershowitz. He's also met with Donald Trump. 
We don't yep. know why, but he met with Donald Trump. This is his partner, Rotem Ronan, in, who owns large Rotem. chunks of, of New York. They say he yep. owns most of the Upper West Side. And of course, he is married or was married to uh, Mr. Sapir, who was Donald Trump's business partner's daughter. And the bris was held somewhere to Trump Tower. And I think the wedding was held at uh, Mar-a-Lago, where Donald Trump actually paid for the wedding. That's how Oh uh, my God. That's how okay. that close that. these guys are to each other. Um, let me yeah. pop a full screen here so we can just I don't know that Donald had a choice. <laughs> yeah, he probably was forced to. This guy's a boss. He's yeah. a real boss. This also mm -hmm. ties to Jared Kushner because he sold him a building or two, but uh, most famously a few floors out of the New York Times building. And he's tied to Natalia Veselnitskaya because she was the lawyer defending Pervazon, or Prevazon, I think, which is the company that he used to be a partner of. But the thing which sort of surprised me the most in, in researching him today, because I had not seen this report before, bilateral group of, of parliamentarians yeah. here in Congress, basically put him, Levayev, in a group of, of businessmen or oligarchs around the world who are tied to Chinese foreign and uh, intelligence. Now, I've not seen this report before. I'm sure you guys have because you guys are more plugged in than I am. But the report uh, first published in Haaretz newspaper said that basically Levayev is a is one of these four key people in the world um, that are tied to Chinese intelligence. And it links him to a group called Queensway 88. The Queensway 88 group is where the Royal uh, Navy used to be in Hong Kong. Now it's been taken over by the Chinese um, intelligence groups, and they have created this front for business groups called Queensway Group. And his company, Levelevise Company, is believed to be one of those groups. And they, that's how the Chinese get their hands on diamonds and oils out of Angola. Levive is also partnered with the daughter of the president of um, Angola, Isabel dos Santos. She's a, she's a very controversial person herself. And his other partner is Arkady Gatamak, who is a, uh, I'm sure I'm running the name there, but he is recently been uh, one of the three people who were found guilty of running uh, weapons in for France in, in, I think, the 1990s. This is the case linked to Sarkozy's case, uh, which I know you've been talking about. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So all of which is to say, how surprising is it that Chinese, this is the first time I've actually said, look, you can actually find the clear lines between Chinese intelligence and and some of these oligarchs that are tied to Donald Trump. Because in the past, you've been able to find, you know, workarounds and all these other things they've been able to do, and certainly ties to Russia. But I haven't seen too many ties directly to Chinese intelligence. And it's good to find them finally, because we've known they've been there. Well done. Thank you. It's, it, watching all of this tie together, that's when you realize why we're at this moment we're at. Yeah. Uh, for those watching who aren't, uh, who are in the Anglophone world, clearly because that's our common language, uh, who don't follow French politics uh, as closely as I do, a uh, former president from 2007 to 2012, Nicolas Sarkozy, is now on trial in what's known as l'affaire des écoutes or the wiretap scandal uh where he apparently offered a a judge from the cour de cassation which is kind of like a mix of uh, the dc court of circuit court of appeals and the supreme court for france so very high up highest uh, judicial court they have um traded him like hey i'm gonna get you a job in monaco if you can get me information on the progress of the prosecution for the real thing I'm worried about, which is my own presidential campaign being financed partially by the Libyans. So right. if you could just tell me that, I'll get you a gig in Monaco. Right. Mm, not, not that's, a been 
It's been a long time ago, but it looks like they're finally cracking down on him. And these other um, launderers, you know, there were three other launderers uh, for arms uh, that were tied to the, uh, the Arcadi case over there in, in France. Mm -hmm. So people are starting to break these little organizations apart. And it's not hard to see that sort of China is behind, at least in this case, a lot of the oil and diamonds that are oftentimes fronted by Israeli or Russian-Israeli groups in places like Angola, in Venezuela, in Argentina. Um, and so yeah. that's interesting. That's interesting because yeah. you know, it's, it certainly puts Israel in a very difficult position now that it doesn't have yeah. an ally as close as, as they had in the White House. It puts Netanyahu on his back heels a little bit. And it certainly puts China in a different spot because now you start thinking very differently about why they're operating in the way they are around the world. And they've been hiding so much. We haven't been able to see what they've been doing. That maybe I, get this is really, a, I get really nervous, too, about thinking of all of these connections and uh, what they're doing with the Uyghurs. Um, mm -hmm. Because... Uh, I feel like that's a test run. I know that it sounds, um, I, I, you know, I try not to look at things. <laughs> it's hard, right? Eric is, is like you try to balance as you're analyzing stuff. You balance, okay, I, I got to let my imagination go. So I so to try to try to wrap your arms around something that's so, um, it gets such little news coverage and such little information coming out around it. But sort of the big pieces you can see, it's not hard to to look at that and say, well, let's also look at where China's putting their tentacles in with other, with not just oligarchs, but also throughout the Mideast and sort of go, oh, what are they, you know, in Africa, even though Angola is, you know, it's a minority Muslim population, but still, what do you, why, why the deprogramming? Hmm. Why the deprogramming? What are you up to? This surveillance um, technology that they've invested in and yeah. that they're partnered with Israel in, including carbon, yeah. which we've had a lot of conversations here yeah. about, which are currently being implemented in you know a municipality near you in the United States. This is technology that can basically spy on your phone. It can just basically do what yeah. NSO has done to journalists around the world in that malware that they sent. This technology will allow them to do it to everyone's phone, basically. Yeah. And you can download that app today and you don't realize it but you're basically letting them access to all your files your your yeah. uh, mm -hmm. turn your cameras on they'll listen to anything you're doing it's the most un-american sure. things in the world and yet china and israel seem to be heading into this zone willingly and and uh, aggressively <laughs> So let's talk about the the lack of, uh, of of imagination and where we're willing to go. And we know that the audience in general is kind of hypnotized by a certain either some extremist points of view that don't have any connection to reality. In some cases, some centrist points of view that don't have any connection to reality. And we're all hit with normalcy bias. We want to think of uh, life as generally under control um, and things being somewhat lim uh, linear. And if you talk about wild scenarios, and this is part of your proposition tonight, Zev, about what are the different routes Donald Trump might take on the way out. You know, in my world of future studies, we look at scenarios and sometimes we need to do mild to wild. Given who we're talking about, the public needs to get used to, I think, hearing some stories about what some of these bad guys were planning and how bad it was going to be. And maybe as far as COVID has gotten with the, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of dead, maybe this will wake people up to, geez, you know, Donald Trump, so just the response has been so incompetent. 
No, that's not incompetence. They've done exactly the opposite of what you'd want to defend us. And it's too often that's exactly the opposite of what would help. We're going to ship the ventilators to China. We're going to get rid of PPE. We're going to open stuff up. We're going to make sure that the uh, the airports are more crowded. Um, schools. You know, it's all right at a schools. Point. Go right back right to school. Go into sp- yeah. super spreader tour. Basically, spread the yeah. disease ourselves. Yeah. NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And then we'll make it a freedom rally thing. And yeah, so it's not. It's not they're idiots. Idiots would be much better. Idiots might listen to to reason. But if you take as as a given that that's intentional, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, these are people that would be willing to get rid of hundreds of thousands of people at a time. Now let's go back to China uh, and Russia. With both of their cultures and both of their regimes, particularly the Chinese, because there's no like fake break like the fall of the Berlin Wall for the Chinese. It's been the Chinese communists for decades and decades and decades. And there's a fact they have no compunction about killing tens of millions of their own people. No, none. They, no. they, they will commit never genocide. Yeah, they've never had a they, problem with it. Yeah, it's not a problem. If you starve people to death by the tens of millions, fine, no problem. Um, and I think the Westerners have trouble imagining that. And I think the Chinese communists, not the Chinese, the Chinese communist party, uh, as a regime has put on a good face. It's glorious to get rich. But they're the same people, and you know they have no problem with mass mass graves. Imagine people, you know, uh, countries and mob syndicates or you know uh, businesses or whatever, getting into bed with these regimes and tying their fates to them. Well, you're tying yourself in that case to regimes that have no problem one thinking long term thinking a century isn't that long a period of time mm-hmm. um, and thinking uh, that, uh, you know, maybe a hundred million people dying, isn't that big a deal now extrapolate. And I think we're going to learn, you know, when you talk about all these um, surveillance technologies, uh, bio warfare, you got this Iranian uh, scientist who was, we just find out he was killed by a machine gun that had facial recognition yeah, Crazy strapped to it. We I went next that. gen. Oh, oh yeah. story. Yeah. Eric, she said, we yeah. should tell Aww. people about it. Because, Apparent, uh, the Iranian nuclear scientist, uh, there, I guess there was a machine gun on the side of the road. And when, it, uh, when his face came in to view, brrr, it hit him, but not his wife. How about or, that? Or anyone else really sitting around him except for one bodyguard. And the car was full. And so even though the attacker seemed like there was actually gunmen on the streets, you know, people were saying there's gunmen on the streets. It was actually a remote controlled machine gun on the back of a van of some sort that by satellite, uh, that, by satellite could find exactly the person and knock that person out. And I have not ever come across technology like that. That's wow. pretty mind Now put well, that in the you hands can, you can see of that the coming. Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, put that in the hands of the Chinese or the mob. Put that in the hands of any of these characters, these organized criminal characters who don't care How about, about anything but the money. Right, exactly. Uh, How about you put it put it with the Chinese system of social credits? What if people like us get on and we get too many demerits for things that we're saying? Oh yeah. Okay, let's not. We can't. Well, we don't, we don't want to go there. But where, that's, this well, where we pull back. But yes, you're. But this is the point of like, you know. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. I did a I did a fireside. I don't even know. I I, I haven't done it in the last couple of days because mm. I've just have not. I haven't even gotten any decent sleep. 
to even wake up and be an insomniac who could talk. It's like I tipped over into the worst. <laughs> too tired area. to be insomniac. <laughs> I was too tired to be my insomniac. And um, uh, just up, if I get up at two thirty, it's a, that's like the worst hour. It has to be after three. If it's before three, it, I can't recover. Um, but I did one on, you know, I was breaking down a story. There's a book about it called Spy in Moscow Station, and yeah. So. Um, yeah. Okay. Wait, what were we just, Oh, about, uh, and so the guy who wrote that Eric Hazeltine, he was, um, uh, he, he went and did a, a stint at the NSA because the NSA saw him, uh, leadership saw him at, on a news program after nine 11 because he, he was talking about how, yeah, well, screenwriters and some of our, we kind of, we kind of foresaw this, like, you know, everyone's trying to figure out how did we not see this coming? And, uh, and our creative community was like, well, actually, we did have a script about this at one point in time. Someone came out and said that. And like, you know, we imagined this. We just, you know, it's just part of the process of being in the creative community, especially if you do science fiction or fantasy or action, sci-fi, you know, even like the Armageddon stuff. It sounds fantastical. And these are great big action movies that everybody loves. But, you know, you know, we sit there and go, OK, let's imagine a scenario and run with a scenario. And um, so he actually had run Imagineering, Disney's Imagineering, and because he was part of a community that regularly mm. does that kind of thing, Eric, we do it for different reasons. We do it to create, you know, create a movie. Um, mm -hmm. The NSA was like, okay, well, maybe we need this kind of thinking to come in here for a little bit. It, he, he wasn't there for very long <laughs> because, mm -hmm. you know, the machine, it, it's difficult to be that creative and that sort of, you know, imaginative there. Um but so it's an it's a necessary. There's huge value in in having an imagination and letting your imagination run, and then there's where do we where do we pull back in terms of what we're seeing? You know where we have to tell know. people. We have to tell have people to talk about it, but what um, the possibilities are and what the probabilities are of those possibilities yeah. because not knowing that this thing is coming at you would be horrendous i mean much worse than actually this thing coming at you and surprising you would be not knowing at all i mean this is just a uh, uh and i think that's where we're heading you know if we if we continue down this line of sort of blinkers and uh, and hiding things and and sorry blinders and hiding what what's been going on we will we will cover this up as well we'll convince ourselves that none of this stuff yeah. is is real and then it'll hit us one day when it's too late like knowing that this speeding train is coming at us is important and i it, it's hard to avoid it really is coming at us a lot more transparency and a lot more expertise being valued again we need to value people with expertise again mm. and listen to them and learn about what they know. Let them teach us. Right. So all those things help. Right? You guys are you guys are making the argument, uh, you know, I am for your years. profession. Yeah. <laughs> eight, eight years ago, I, I wrote a piece uh, um, called uh, Peak Intelligence, uh, how strategic intelligence is actually making us dumber in the Atlantic. And I was like, I'm sick of this profession because nobody's listening. And I think now we can look back 10 years and go, what was happening is that there was this the whole structure of institutions getting in, in with really uh, malign networks was changing the incentives of, of business, but whatever, people weren't listening. They didn't want to hear about what it might turn out like. We're actually, you know, we're just going to have the technology guys in California tell us about the future and right. some of us who came from more the defense side which is where i came from in dc we're like no you guys are missing a whole bunch here and they're like shh and 
Yeah, you know, how can we make up billions? Where's it? Where's yeah. It, you know, oh, what? We, get Chinese and Saudi. <laughs> we get Chinese and Saudi and Russian money. What's the worst that could happen? I don't know. Ask some people who, who live around Arlington and Alexandria, Virginia, uh, who have done this kind of scenario work that you're talking about, LB. Because um, yeah. we've got some scenarios out there where those they're not very nice. You should look at the files. Um, you know, it's it's... It's these things can be uncomfortable, but you guys are making this amazing argument for what I've been working at for 20 years. Um, and there's this is where you need leaders who are not completely yes. owned by the mob or, yes. you know, the Koch brothers or whoever leaders who are actually there to represent the people they're elected to represent. I, this is we're getting so far away from this with these jabonis that we're having to deal with the you know, we're just being beset by these fake leaders who are representing these other malign networks. When we get real leaders, it's like you're supposed to do the really heavy, tough stuff with those leaders and not the general public because, you know, the people who have gotten either clearance or they're, they're huge businesses, you know, they should have been, you know, working on things where things where you, there could be terrible consequences. So you don't, you know, so you can describe that to the public in a way that's like, hi, we're going to this place. It might seem scary. And uh, Biden is starting to do this. Like, there's nothing we can't do if we do it together. Meanwhile, he yeah. just saw his top secret briefing. He's like, right. whoa. Yeah. But when he gets I, out there, he goes, I, we're going to do it together. <laughs> you, you remind me, you reminded me of what I wanted to say to you earlier today, Zev, of like, this is what I want to talk about. And then because I didn't get any sleep, I, it went out of my brain. So, um, but, you know, I know there's all this uh, concern around what's going to happen with the, you know, like Lindsey Graham, right? Mm. <laughs> the fully blackmailable, you know, <laughs> he, he, I finally, I tweeted somebody, was like, welcome to the light. I tweeted to somebody, he was like, I now firmly believe that Lindsey Graham is being blackmailed. Yeah, no, I know, but it was like, what? Like, everyone what, was like, this, it was this like week? the gay thing, right? It was, it was, the, oh, it was, you know, everyone's, and, and we've been saying, you know, as you've, We've all been saying here, yeah. our, our audience knows, we've been saying, look, it's got to be way worse than that. That is not enough. It's not. It's There's crimes, big crimes. Lindsay's afraid of big time jail. He's mm. afraid of the pokey and not the other pokey, the pokey that he goes away. He's That's what he's afraid of. He's not afraid of anybody learning anything about his personal life. Like, like, it's on. the worst kept secret Come in on. Washington. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, he doesn't and, care about and that. He, he doesn't, what is Perry? It, wouldn't have, it wouldn't affect him either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Steph, <laughs> wait a minute. You're gonna spill tea. We gotta we gotta create a space for that. So that's Rick um, Perry and Marco, right? Those are the those are the three. Oh, I mean, Graham, right? Oh, Isn't oh, that what they say? Okay, they hang say. on, let me let me go to let's wait. Let's, let's go back. <laughs> we're not all Don't in the same DM groups on Twitter. Don't make me laugh. People were like, people were saying that they're like, oh my god, you guys broke you broke LP. <laughs> um, okay. Uh so but the uh, uh, the Lindsey Graham is saying any AG, if any AG is going to yeah. investigate anyone in the Trump family, we're not going to confirm. And it's like, okay. And everyone gets worried about okay. that. Let me yeah. tell you, let me tell you. <laughs> okay. Here's what the president of the United States can do. Donald Trump could do this. Joe Biden, when he's gone and Joe Biden's in, Joe Biden could do this. They can declassify anything. Hmm. True. True. The president holds a major fucking card. Okay. Oh, wow. And so, uh, you know, these, these people don't want to confirm 
Joe Biden's appointments, Joe Biden can just declassify a conversation maybe that got picked up between Lindsey Graham and someone that he, Lindsey was so worried about. He was like, I'm not saying blackmail these senators. I am not saying that at all. I'm saying understand that these senators are just, they're just screaming into the void. They don't, they don't have leverage. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't have leverage against uh, keeping themselves from being investigated or prosecuted. They don't have that kind of leverage. They don't. But they're going to be told um, I, to hold the line. They really are going to be told to. I, think I, so. I feel like the GOP is not going to change. We're going to be in the same the position GOP's with them. The GOP is not We're going to eventually vote all these motherfuckers out. Right. They they don't have the numbers. That's why they're trying to cheat so badly. <laughs> That's why. And even the Supreme Court's like, you know, the Supreme Court's like, cheat better. You don't come to us with this horrible level of cheating. We can't. We can't get behind <laughs> this. Yeah. This bad is cheating. the worst. Yeah, it's so obvious we can't cheating. even look at it. Yeah, it's so obvious we can't even look at it, and you're only going to get one sentence from us, right? right. So, um, it, it's not in the end. It, it really isn't going to work for these guys. And so, I just want to again, we keep coming on narrative and saying this, right? Yeah. Usually, it's Oliar, right? He's not here tonight, but just take a breath, everybody. Calm down. Don't forget that we can just start demanding to start to see. Uh, some information and you know maybe our our next president will listen to it and say well yeah let's go ahead and declassify that let's see let's see what's in there narrative is funded by viewers like you support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative